0: This is American Deep Dive, and I am your host, Sean Kane. Today's date is April 19th, 2020, and it is a Sunday. Uh, I am recording this. Uh, it is 8.24 p.m. Um, and today I'm going to do the show like I did the past couple. Um, I'm going to do the news, and then I'm going to get into my deep dive for the day. Um, I I do believe I have a very interesting deep dive for you. Uh, But before we get into that, I'm going to do the news. So uh, coronavirus continues to um, slow life down in America. Um, As it stands today at 825 p.m., uh, uh, we have 763,579 cases in the United States. Uh, 70,938 people have recovered from coronavirus, and unfortunately, 40,524 people have passed away due to due to, due to coronavirus. Uh, those numbers are, especially the death number, it's uh, terrible. Um, again, I want to thank. Um, know, everybody on the front lines uh, fighting coronavirus, doctors, nurses, uh, pharmacists, grocery store workers, um, you know, all of you, you're keeping the economy going, you're keeping life going. uh, And, you know, we could never be, we can never say thank you enough. Um, And looking at how the numbers are It looks like the numbers are starting to peak uh, generally nationwide, uh, but not in every state. Um, I told you on uh, a couple podcasts, I feared that some states weren't doing enough because at the time there wasn't much going on in certain states when it comes to coronavirus. Uh, And one of the states that I gave you that I told you they're not doing enough in uh, was South Dakota. Uh, They didn't have a stay-at-home, they didn't have any stay-at-home orders in place, Um, and I said at the time that they were putting their citizens in danger, and unfortunately that's being borne out right now by the facts. Uh, It looks like 634 employees at a pork packaging plant uh, tested positive for coronavirus, and at that plant, uh, 1,300 people work, so it looks like nearly half of the employees at that plant Um, unfortunately, uh, uh, we're diagnosed with coronavirus. Um, that's horrible. And we could all see how quickly this disease spreads. And this is why the stay at home orders are so vital to getting our numbers down because while, you know our numbers are down or not, not down, but the number of new cases may be, might be following, might be falling generally across the board. When you have certain States not doing what they should be doing, that's going to, that's going to keep us all inside. That's going to cause more death. That's going to slow the economy down. So that's why I thought it was vitally important that we all be on the same page here. And, you know, you have, I'm sure you've seen these beaches in Jacksonville, Florida that are open um, and people are, people are going and they are not socially distancing. And again, it's just slowing it down for the rest of us guys. And maybe, I don't know, maybe they're young people, maybe they're, maybe they think they're invincible for some reason. Uh, But if you're not worried about yourself, think about your grandparents, think about your parents. Think about your friends. Do you really want to give them coronavirus? And I I don't think they do. (laughs) Uh, But you have to not be selfish. It's important to think for yourself, too. Think about yourself. Because this disease is hospitalizing young people. It is hospitalizing people that weren't previously sick. Uh, people are going on ventilators, and yes, people are dying. It's not all in, you know, a certain subgroup. Certain groups are affected more. That that is true, but it's not all in this group or that group. That's not where all the deaths are coming from. And people, like I said, people are getting seriously sick in every age group. So, please stay home. <laughs> Um, so the CDC also released some new guidelines, um, for reopening the country. Uh, generally I was actually surprised because they're actually pretty good. Um, and I'm going to give credit to the Trump administration where I I think where they deserve credit. Um, if you've listened to the past, um, every podcast they put out so far, you'll know I'm not generally a fan of the Trump administration. Uh, but they're, but this uh, particular, these particular guidelines, I think, are pretty good. So the way they want to open up the economy is, they want to see a downward trajectory of documented cases in each state. That they, they want the states individually to have a, to have downward trajectories of documented cases within a 14 day period. Um, Of course, this is going to require robust testing, which the Trump administration still has been pretty dreadful at. Uh, They're pretty, they've been pretty dreadful at getting those tests out. Um, But the rule is, if you see a downward trajectory over a 14 day period, you go into phase one. So what is phase one? So in phase one, uh, they're encouraging that all vulnerable individuals still continue to shelter in place. So that's older people, that's people that um, may have chronic lung conditions or uh, might be, um, they might have a compromised immune system. Uh, they still want you to avoid socializing groups of more than 10 people. Um they still want you to still do some social distancing when you're with people in parks or outdoor recreation uh, areas. Uh, they still want you to telework if you can. Uh, bars are going to remain closed, uh, which is extremely depressing to uh, pretty much everybody <laughs> because I think we all deserve a drink at this point. Uh, but it's the safe thing to do. Um Large venues such as movie theaters could operate under strict physical distancing protocols. Uh, Elective surgeries could resume and gyms could open if they adhere to strict physical distancing protocols and sanitation protocols. So that's all good. Uh, I think they're fair. Uh, I don't don't, I'm happy uh, the Trump administration isn't just saying, oh, yeah, go ahead. You could all get back in there Um, (laughs) now. I hope I hope against hope that all the states are going to adhere by these because these are only guidelines. The states generally could do what they want, Um, and I hope and pray that they take these guidelines seriously. So after phase one, uh, if they continue to show that they're on that downward trajectory that I that I talked about uh, with the number of documented uh, cases, you go into phase two. So phase two, uh, all, again, all vulnerable individuals should continue to shelter in place. Um, and again, uh, when in public, they should maximize that they should still be socially distancing. So that's that six feet rule. Uh, and not essential travel could resume. So if you want to go visit somebody out of state or... Um, you Know really anywhere <laughs> at this point because we're not really allowed to travel anywhere, uh, you could do that. So that's in phase two. Um, they still want uh, common areas where pe- personnel are likely to congregate at work, uh, to be closed. Uh, they st- they're still encouraging telework, uh, for people that could for uh, businesses that could do it, uh, bars could finally operate with diminished standing room com- occupancy were applicable and appropriate so that's also very good news uh, gyms could remain open uh, large venues could operate under moderate not strict moderate physical distancing protocols um so that's movie theater sporting venues uh, things of that nature um, they still want you they still do not want you visiting uh, senior care facilities uh, which obviously makes a lot of sense. Uh, all the people living there are high risk. They're all older and uh, schools could reopen. So as well as daycares. So that's also good news. And then again, in phase three, if they continue on that trajectory that I talked about, that 14 day trajectory, uh, we get more and more, um, uh, the, the, the um, distancing guidelines get uh, relaxed more um see vulnerable individuals uh can resume public interactions so those are the older people uh people that are high risk uh but they should but they should be practicing social distancing those that six feet rule uh while they're um out and while they're out and about uh the bars could operate with increased standing room occupancy gyms could remain open Large venues could operate under limited uh, physical distancing protocols, as opposed to the moderate and strict protocols. And visiting visits to uh, senior care living facilities can resume. So that that's all good news um, as far as the phases go. Um, Hopefully, hopefully in in your state and my state, uh, we we get out. We're either on those uh, 14. 14 day trajectories, or we get on them. Um, But yeah. So, as I said, um, I'm going to give the Trump administration credit and then I'm going to give them some blame. Um, All this week, I'm sure you've seen these protests popping up in Minnesota, Michigan. There's one that's going to be here in Pennsylvania tomorrow. Uh, it's people that generally aren't social distancing, uh, going to the state capitol, to protest, uh, the the um, distancing laws that are in effect right now. Um, and look, the distancing, it, it sucks socially, social distancing. It does. I can't sugarcoat it. There are people out of work. Uh, we can't go anywhere we can't see our friends we can't see our family outside of the people that live in this house that live in you know a house with them yeah we all want to get back to that but the worst thing we could do and this is this isn't just me talking this isn't just you know a liberal or a democrat talking these these this is what republicans say this is what doctors say the worst thing we could do is gather in large groups and not socially distance. And that's what um that's what these protests all were. they that they weren't in their cars as they said they would be throughout and about, mostly not wearing masks, which is which and those masks are mandatory in a lot of states as of right now. And I do feel bad for the people that lost their jobs. I feel bad for people that are frustrated, but this is the worst way to relay that frustration. I, you know, they're putting themselves at risk, uh, but they're also putting their loved ones at risk. And that's not the way, that's not the way to do it. Uh, I I do find it interesting to see how conservative reaction is to this, um, to people pulling up to the state capitol with guns. I always imagine what if it was Black Lives Matter protest uh, and a bunch of black people had guns as opposed to this mostly white audience. Or not, audience, white crowd. Uh, what would their would their reaction be the same? I I strongly doubt it. <laughs> um, again, they're putting themselves at risk, and Donald Trump thinks it's a good idea to tweet out, "Liberate Michigan, liberate Minnesota, liberate Virginia," and then he also added in a Virginia tweet uh, that the governor's going after your Second Amendment rights. Oh Jesus. Okay. So that's obviously extremely irresponsible on a hundred different levels. Um it's going against his own guidelines that he that his administration put out there. It's you know arguably calling for you know it's calling for liberation. That's what that's what he literally said. So what does that mean? It could mean a lot of things, but yeah, he sees people going there with guns to state capitals. A crazy person could interpret that in a hundred different ways. And the president of the United States should be aware of that. Uh, And he's either not aware of it, which would make him an idiot, or he's aware of it and he doesn't care. So it's one of those two things. Either he's an idiot or he doesn't care. Um as far as the political news, uh, Joe Biden still maintains a lead on Donald Trump. Uh, he, I think I saw the on a recent NBC poll. he was up seven points. Uh, I keep thinking he should be up by way more. Uh, seven point lead is comfortable though if he, if on election day Joe Biden wins by seven points, he's going to win the election. Um, that's going that's in all likelihood going to be enough to carry Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania. And uh, Donald Trump's coronavirus bounce that he had uh, seems to be faded at this point, as was expected. Uh, he's uh, pulling in the low 40s again, like he was prior to the coronavirus outbreak. Again, it's it's not low enough. <laughs> uh, but it's not where it was. It's not at 50 percent. He's lost, uh, you know, a significant amount. But. I still think he does stand a reasonably, reasonably well, a good chance at winning re-election. All right. And uh, speaking of Donald Trump and elections, I, on my deep dive, I'm going to get into how Donald Trump got here. So stay tuned for that. So it's now time to begin the deep dive uh, portion of the podcast. Uh, So there's a lot of there are a lot of takes out there about how Donald Trump was elected in 2016. Um, I I view a lot of the reasons as sort of shallow if you don't go and take a deep dive into how Donald Trump even got here to begin with. How was he in a position to defeat Hillary Clinton? And I believe you have to go all the way back to the late 60s. So the late 60s, there was the hippie movement, there was the women's liberation movement, there was the civil rights movement. America was changing quickly. And in my opinion, uh, it was changing for the better. Uh, Not everyone shared that sentiment, though. Uh, You had Richard Nixon, who ran on a quote-unquote law and order platform. It's ironic because he got He was going to be impeached for breaking the law, but that's what he, that's what he ran on. And that was to, you know, get those hippies in check and all that. And he defeated Hubert Humphrey, uh, and he ran a largely socially conservative campaign and he appealed to Americans who felt like America was slipping away from them. Sound familiar? So Nixon resigned as a result of the Watergate uh, scandal. And before he resigned, there was an increasingly hostile relationship between conservatives and the media. Uh, The the Nixon uh, White House hated that the Washington Post had released Pentagon Papers, which revealed uh, details that they did not want the public to know about the Vietnam War, Uh, They felt like they were unfairly targeted for Watergate. um, And that relationship between the Republicans and mainstream media was never mended. So we fast forward to 1980. uh, The 70s are generally a tough decade in America. Uh, There was a lot. There was stagflation. There was the Iran um, hostage crisis. And Ronald Reagan is elected. And Americans Americans knew Ronald Reagan. He had a generally sunny disposition. Uh, and one of his main slogans was, let's make America great again. Sound familiar? So he formed a coalition of religious conservatives, uh, evangelical uh, religious conservatives, corporate America, Uh, Defense hawks and social conservatives, Uh, Southern Democrats had largely abandoned the Democratic Party by that time over the civil rights issue, which uh, splintered the party, and uh, they, by and large, joined the Republican Party uh, with Reagan. And Reagan and uh, other conservatives began using uh, what later became known as dog whistles, And those dog whistles, some of them, one of the examples is Reagan would often refer to welfare queens in Chicago and other urban areas. So that's meant, language like that is meant to conjure up images of non-white people living off the system and living high off the hog, off the government's dime. Now, did this really happen? Of course not. There did, even people who take advantage of the system, and there are people who do, nobody's living, living the high life off of welfare. That's just nonsense. Um, and one of the things Ronald Reagan also successfully did was um, give a devastating blow to the labor movement. After he fired uh, the air traffic controllers, um, and really since then, wages haven't wages haven't kept up with the rate of inflation, and I I believe it's largely due to those blows to the labor movement. Uh, and something as as far as how we got to Trump, something even bigger happened in the eighties. And that's that Rush Limbaugh became nationally syndicated in 1988. And he has been instrumental for the Repu- modern Republican Party. Uh, a few years later, Roger Ailes, who was a former Nixon advisor, launched Fox News. And conservative media created an echo chamber for conservatives, which largely continues to, the, which uh, I shouldn't say largely, it's even bigger now today. Um and these platforms uh, played very loose with the facts and the lar- the their audience, again, because they felt alienated by the mainstream, by mainstream media, they largely only watched Fox. They largely only listen to Rush Limbaugh and slowly but surely created an alternate universe. And that alternate universe would promote things like Reagan ended the Cold War. Um, That's not true, Uh, but it worked on a lot of people. And they would use that to build their base. And the Republican Party understood much better than the Democratic Party ever has how important base politics is. And to win elections, you need to get your base. And uh, the, um, media, the conservative media would also parrot talking points like the Democrats are coming for your guns and Democrats want to kill babies, uh, referring to abortion. And this worked with a lot of people. You have to give them credit in a sad way. It worked. Uh, They went after uh, Bill Clinton on a daily basis, um, and they were pretty instrumental in causing enough uproar among conservatives to cause, to lead to his impeachment. And then September, uh, George W. Bush gets elected president um, in 2000, And September 11th happens, and America is attacked. So the conservative media goes into overdrive on jingoism, on nationalism, on what some would call patriotism, promoting the war on terrorism. And the war on terrorism, it it, it doesn't really mean anything. And I'll I'll tell you why. So you can't go to war on a tactic. And the Bush administration said they were going to go after terrorism in all corners of the world. So that sounds good on paper to a lot of people because we were just attacked. But what the American people didn't know was it meant perpetual war. If you're a 19-year-old in America, you've never known America not at war. And I think they largely did this really based off slogans more than anything. Bush and his cronies would say things like, The terrorists, they hate us for our freedom. If we don't fight them there, we'll fight them here. Support the troops. So if if you don't look at all into any of this, a lot of it sounds good. Support the troops. Hey, we, I support the troops. Uh, you know, if you come home and you serve this country, you deserve to be treated better than anybody. But what they meant by support the troops was support this war that we're going to get us into, Iraq, who had nothing to do with 9-11. And if you don't support it, then you then you hate America. Then you're not you're not for the troops you're not on our side uh they hate us for our freedom no largely that's not true they hate us because they see us as the world's policemen we support because of our support they, they hate us because of our support of Israel they hate us because we have troops in Saudi Arabia there are many reasons why terrorists hate us and if you don't believe me Listen to what the terrorists say. You know, you might hear them talk about uh, Western culture uh, being too liberal and everything. Uh, with, with our with our freedoms, that that is true. But that's you don't see them attacking Norway. They're not attacking uh, Sweden. They're not attacking Switzerland. They're attacking us, and there's a reason for that. It's because we're the world's policemen. But these slogans work. Republicans are expert propagandists. And Rush and Fox were the lead propagandists. Um, And then the Iraq War, which was largely based on slogans and started on slogans, uh, does not go well. Um, The economy crashes and Barack Obama is elected. Shortly after his election, the Tea Party movement starts, along with the uh, racist birther movement, which was led in part by Donald J. Trump. And now Fox hosts have Donald Trump on a lot of their shows. You see him on Fox and Friends. You see him on Hannity's show. And he's talking about this nonsense birther movement. And by this time, Fox had created this alternate universe for 20 years. And they were seen as the network who was going to tell the truth about Barack Obama because the mainstream media wasn't going to do it. I'm breaking my Ted Cruz impression there. I don't know why either. (laughs) But that's that's what they. And Donald Trump, who also played loose with the facts, uh, just like Fox, just like Rush. He got in on it, too. And there are a lot of people who are receptive to this message. Um, and also coinciding with all of this, Donald Trump had his reality TV show, The Apprentice and The Celebrity Apprentice. And from the early 2000s all the way to today, Americans became more and more obsessed with reality television and celebrities. And what was Donald Trump? He was a reality TV show star and a celebrity. And more and that's that. That's how most. That's how now Donald Trump was around for about twenty years prior to The Apprentice, but he really got bigger and bigger with the reality TV show. With the reality TV show, his businesses actually weren't doing very well up until the reality TV show started, and then right along with it. There was the Obama presidency. Now, I'm probably going to do a deep dive on Obama's presidency. Um, it was not nearly as radical as uh, Republicans like to say it was, as radical as I would have liked it to be. Uh, but the audience on Fox saw him as the biggest radical of all time, as the most liberal president ever, which he was not. And, um, Their audience was mostly made up of, Fox and Russia's audience is mostly made up of older white men who, again, were feeling like the world was changing much too quickly, a lot like Nixon's target, uh, target audience was in the late 60s. They saw a black man named Barack Hussein Obama became president. More women were getting elected to office. Gay marriage was legal. And here comes Donald Trump. So Donald Trump kicked off his campaign by calling Mexicans rapists and drug dealers and was fired shortly after by NBC. Uh, and Americans, again, they recognized Donald Trump from this TV show. And he fashioned himself as a great businessman. And then his slogan was make America great again and with people in LA and people especially media people in LA, DC, New York they don't realize how powerful that message is. I think a lot of them roll their eyes at it. They have to think about it. Not only was, you know, there the racist elements, the homophobic elements, uh uh the misogynistic elements of his base, but there are also people and this is this is what was key. There were people who were economically uh disillusioned with the with the democratic party this was because of nafta which was signed by president bill clinton um and a lot of people never recovered from the recession in 2008 and barack obama ran on hope and change and they didn't see much hope and they didn't see much change so people in the midwest they like to wear baseball caps and they saw Make America Great Again on it. And it, sol- it, it they were sold on Donald Trump. At least enough people were. And eventually he was filling stadiums. And he used a combination of race baiting, like when he proposed a ban on Muslims from entering the country. And he um, also... Uh, pointed out NAFTA's failures, which Republicans had largely been afraid of doing because they they also their politicians also supported NAFTA, um, and that worked. And then you look at what Fox News and Rush Limbaugh did. They created a cult of personality around Donald Trump. They played to their audience who was who was more and more going in Trump's direction. And he defeated every Republican opponent. And he narrowly defeated Hillary Clinton to win, his, to win the election. And if you think about it, this really should have been inevitable. So why do I say that? Because when you create an alternate reality for people... which is largely based on lies. You're going to get a pathological liar to lead that at some point. And you have a lot of people, the, the, baby, the baby boomers, who I, I believe they make up the largest chunk of our population. They slowly felt like the country was going away from them. And you have this guy saying, make America great again, and he was going to bring, again, an old Nixon talking point, law and order back to the United States. Again, Donald Trump is a career criminal, so it's ironic to hear him talking about law and order, but it's sold. And when you kill the truth, which Fox did, you're going to get that pathological liar. And that was Donald Trump. And you kill the truth. So then people who are really telling the truth, you're able to say, oh, they're lying. It's the liberal media again. Listen to our guy. Listen to Trump. He'll tell you the truth. He'll tell you how it is. When, as Rand Paul ironically put it, since he became Trump sycophant, uh, he said Trump does telling without the truth. And I think the same could be said about Rush Limbaugh and Fox News. They both, they all have that bravado about them. Like, oh, it's these people, and uh, it's, it's not us. They hate America. That's that's what that's what it is. They hate America, and you have a bunch of people going, "That's right." Those li- those libs, they hate America. It works. Doesn't make it right, but it works. And really, I don't know how we. I, I don't know how we come back from that. But Silver lining. Um, Most young people are not swayed by this. Uh, They do not believe we should be banning Muslims from the country. Uh, They do believe in people who tell the truth. They are generally much more progressive. They support gay marriage. Uh, they want more women in office. They, <laughs> they're happy that in their lifetime they got to see a black person become president. It's um, But one day, they're going to be older too. One day, they will be the Fox News target audience. So what happens then? And the truth is, I don't know but this isn't sustainable right now. We shouldn't have a president who during a national crisis, an international crisis, we can't believe. And that's what we have now. And that's largely because there's an alternate reality and a big chunk of our population lives in that alternate reality. So that's all for American Deep Dive today. I do thank you all for tuning in. Um, Again, a thank you to everybody who's staying at home, to everybody who's out on the front lines um, fighting this virus. We can't thank you enough. And I thank you all again for listening and stay tuned.